everyone, welcome back to another episode of Living Electric. It's always fun when we have a guest who works in the electric vehicle industry, and today we have Andre Hudson, the head of design for Indy EV. Thanks for joining us, Andre. My pleasure. Thank you for having me on today. Well, it should definitely be a good conversation. We're going to dive further into Andre's uh, industry experience with uh, auto design, as well as the Indy EV, and talk about their first electric vehicle, the Indy One. So for uh, beginning, Andre, do you mind giving us kind of like an overview and introduction of who you are? Yeah, certainly. Uh, my name is Andre Hudson, as you said, and I'm head of design here at Indy. I have about uh, 20, this is my 24th year in the industry. So it's, oh my it, it's been quite some time, which is kind of depressing in a way <laughs> as, as, we get, as we get older. Uh, but, uh, you know, really consider myself uh, blessed and fortunate to have had such a, a great career in this in this industry and, uh, you know, worked for several companies now on some some key products over the last couple of decades. So um, it's it's been a wild ride as a kid. I would have never imagined, you know, I'd be a, a car designer when I grew up. I always <laughs> wanted to fly jets, but uh, took a second path and it's been fantastic. That's awesome. Yeah, that, that was going to be my question. How did you get into the automotive industry in terms of design? Because you just mentioned you wanted to fly jets. Is it kind of like a path that took you into automotive design? Yeah, you know, as a, as a little guy, I always imagined myself uh, flying fighter planes, right, military. And so I was I was kind of preparing myself for that route going to one of the academies. And um, sophomore year in high school, you know, my eyes failed me started to fail oh no and i had to get uh, corrective vision and glasses and at the time uh, the air force academy you know to enter the pilot training program one of the prerequisites was uh, perfect you know 2020 visions so um i couldn't check that box anymore um so unfortunately you know i didn't want to go other paths but um, it's actually interesting. A friend had given me a magazine. I think it was a uh, car and driver or motor trend. And there was mm -hmm. a story about uh, the Dodge Viper concept. And there was a little sidebar uh, in the article that pictured the clay model for the Dodge Viper and the team responsible standing behind it. And I was I was like, you know, a, a lot of people don't actually think about, you know, where cars come from. It's just some magic uh you know, industrial machine that just stamps these things out. <laughs> right. But I'm, but I'm like, wow, you know, people and, and artists, you know, creative people, uh, you know, style and, and create these machines. And so, um, you know, it kind of sparked my interest. I had always been into to drawing and sketching airplanes and cars and boats and anything transportation related. Uh, so that, that kind of was the spark uh, to, to set me off in this direction. Uh, growing up in Colorado, um, you know, I go to my high school counselors and say I want to design cars. And of course, for them, uh, by default, you know, they're like, you need to study engineering, um, study mechanical engineering uh, mm -hmm. by default. And so I, you know, I started looking at all these engineering schools around the country. Um, but something inside me said, this isn't quite, I don't think this is quite the, the right thing because I want to, you know, be a effect on how they look and how they feel. And so I, I composed a letter and sent it to Chrysler at the time because, you know, I was they were the ones that inspired this whole thing. So sent it off to Detroit. And uh, I still remember the day coming home uh, from school and opening the mailbox. And there was this, you know, Chrysler headed uh, letter in there uh, to a uh, young Mr. Hudson and, you know, opened the, the letter. And there was uh, this uh, communication from the design department that basically laid out 
you know, the path forward to design. And so that, that kind of set me on my way and, uh, you know, I'll always be forever grateful for, you know, the time that, uh, you know, Chrysler design, you know, I'm sure they get all these letters from kids asking about it, <laughs> um, right. but certainly, certainly it, it affected and shaped, you know, the direction of my life. So I applied to art and design school and, uh, ended up going to uh, design school in Detroit. Okay. Nice. Nice. Yeah, I was kind of awesome. wondering how the tie-in from Colorado to Detroit happened. So that makes sense. <laughs> so so did you end up working at Chrysler? Because we looked at your LinkedIn and it looked like you started with GM. Did you start at Chrysler? Yeah, I actually had an internship there, which I was you know, beyond aesthetic, I think my junior year. But uh, when I graduated, I ended up um, getting an offer. I had a couple uh, possibilities, but ended up going to, to GM. Uh, so started there in General Motors uh, in 98 which was fantastic. Is there any uh, standout vehicles from your, your time at GM that you remember kind of putting your mark on or ones that you, you liked working with the best? Yeah, again, you know, I, I've been really fortunate to have the opportunity, given opportunities, you know, and trying to run with them with uh, some key products. So a couple years out of school, um, the head of a digital studio at the time, Ed Wilburn, who was eventually became head of all product development uh, design-wise, um, assigned me to the SSR. If you guys remember the SSR, kind of that hot rod pickup truck. Right. So yeah. The uh, yeah the exterior was uh, basically done, but there was no interior. And since as a young designer, I was pretty proficient in a digital design software called Alias. Um, you know, he tasked me in a couple months to create a theme. You know, for the SSR to get it ready for the Detroit Auto Show. Um, so that was kind of a key uh, initial project, you know, that people uh, know that I worked on, which was which was awesome. And as a young kid out of school, you know, I think I was like 22, uh, 23 at the time, you know, that was uh, that project. Um, and then shortly after that, I ended up going to England, actually, to the advanced studio there for a couple of years, working under a, a designer, Simon Cox. Uh, who's an extremely talented designer in our industry and, and worked on several projects from uh, Corvette to uh, Cadillacs with him. If you guys recall the Cadillac CN, which was this uh, our mid-engine uh, V12 exotic, you know, with the gold wing doors. Yep. Mm, um, so, yeah. yeah, poor me. I had to work on this exotic Cadillac. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> with uh, with with uh, Simon, which was again amazing. We built that car uh, in the UK uh, for show, and ended up sending it to Detroit. Can't remember what year that was. I want to say maybe 2000 or 2001, maybe. Um, so that was a great project. Uh, worked on that a little bit, trying to take it to production, but that never really came to fruition. Mm. And then I worked on the large Cadillac, the. Um, 16 if you remember the the big caddy they did did for the 100 year centennial you know it's, it was a beast long dashed axle that huge uh car I, I did the initial theme that became that full size uh, again in england so that was fantastic but didn't really get to follow that through to to the end just kind of the initial model and then when i came back to the states uh, i was assigned to the saturn uh, sky roadster so i worked with uh, franz Von Holshausen, who's at uh, you know Tesla fame now, he was finishing right. the uh, Solstice uh, at the time, and uh, GM Bob Lutz had decided to put the um, VX Lightning concept theme on the Solstice package, and, and it was going to be the Saturn Sky or the mm -hmm. new Opal Speedster that they they sold it in um, in the UK. So I I sat there uh, for a couple years and was responsible for the exterior uh, of the Sky. So that was my last project at GM. 
Well, this guy is one of my favorite roadsters. Like, I grew up around, like, Porsches <laughs> and BMW, like, Z3s. So, like, when this guy came out, I was super excited about it. <laughs> oh, that's, that's awesome. It's beautiful. It was such a nice... I remember working on that car, and the, the doors to the studio would be open, and all the old uh, the Corvette guys would come rolling by, <laughs> and you'd see them stop and peek in there. I remember one day it was kind of lifted up in the air, and they're like, what 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 is that? I'm like, oh, this is the new Saturn. And they, you could just see the look on their face, and they're like, can you fit a V8 in that thing? It's like, yeah, you probably could squeeze a V8 in there. <laughs> <laughs> right. But yeah, yeah. She, she, actually, she was pretty. That was a cool car. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. I actually think I have a few friends that Ella swapped uh, some old Did skies. They? So, yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah, so I think you can fit a V8 in there if you try hard enough. <laughs> it was it was it was wide, so I know, I know you can do it. But yeah, that, that was such a cool you know project. It had the clamshell you know front hood, which which was an amazing design feature, and mm -hmm. it was kind of a pain in the butt because the lamps had to go with the hood. So as a designer, you had to mm -hmm. make sure that all the clearances for the fascia and the hood and lamps all worked. But uh, I finally bought one years later just to kind of trick it out like i always wanted one <laughs> and it was great to go to the, the car wash and open this thing up right the rear popped and the hood opened mm -hmm. and it looked like this this beautiful cool little little toy so it really was a neat product oh that's awesome do you find the uh i was gonna ask if the uh what comes first generally when you're designing a car does like the design or kind of that like you mentioned kind of the theme of the car start first or does the engineering team take that first and say we know we want these specs and we got to put it all in this package and then it goes to the design team which kind of goes first there yeah that's a great question it's actually something i've learned coming to a startup that you don't realize at a big company like an oem you know how much work is already established right on the engineering side right so much of the the package the part content you know where the thing's going to be built what it's going to cost is really already established and kind of that mm. that ing those ingredients are given to the design team uh, including background and marketing right who's going to buy the thing what it's going to cost what they're going to pay for how they're going to use it and as a designer you take all of that information right and you start to spin this idea on, on what this thing should look like um, and I compare that again to, to OEM to startup because, you know, I, I don't think I realized how much pre-work was done on right. all these projects that I could claim I was, a par I was a part of, but thinking I had <laughs> so much more to do with it. But yeah. when, you, when you come to a startup, you realize when you're trying to do all of that, you know, at the same time, you're like, holy cow, you know, you don't realize at, at the big five, big six globally, uh, you know, the, there's teams of hundreds or thousands in the background. You know, that have already done so much work for you and the designer right. can step in there and make it the best it can be. So going from, you know, like the the OEMs to a startup, what was the biggest thing you noticed in terms of like design freedom? Like, did you have a little bit more liberty in terms of what you could design? You certainly had more liberty. Liberty. You, you kind of have to to pick and choose your battles, of course, with you know engineering and and try to. The beauty of a startup, of course, is is you can sit there and establish you know where you want things to be, how you want them to function, and you don't have all that pre work that was done saying, you know, Andre, I know you want to move this here, or have this packaged here, but look, this is mm -hmm. where it's going to be. This is the part you're using. And so that's very much an advantage, you know, as a small team, you know, being able to build this thing from the ground up, you know, and start to establish proportions and dimensions and features that you want. 
Uh, on the same token, it's it's also a challenge because you don't have all that established, right? So you're still trying to understand who's going to support you through the project, who's going to supply you the components, what are you designing mm -hmm. around? Um, so it, on one one hand, it's it's fantastic thing. On the other thing, it just presents a whole new set of challenges. Yeah. I, I could definitely imagine. I mean, building a vehicle <laughs> from the ground up. Like, I, I know the the team at Indy, obviously, you guys have, uh, you know, people who are working on the project from the ground up, from design to engineering and so forth. Um, you know, to pivot to Indy EV and, like, the the Indy 1, um, I know that the Indy 1 was um, unveiled in, in Los Angeles, right, in November. How, how did that feel to have that vehicle just, like, unveiled to the world? Like, I, I'm sure that was a great feeling. <laughs> Yeah, I think for all of us, particularly at Indy, because we've been running, you know, really under the radar for several years, and that was intentional. Mm -hmm. You know, the founder wanted us to, to keep pressing further along in the project before we um, kind of showed the world what we had been working on. So, um, yeah, after several years of work, you know, finally being able to, to put that out there, and we kind of did it really casual. You know, we kind of just set it out on the floor. We didn't do a huge uh, thing, and it was it was kind of neat because people would you know wander by and stop and look and you know you know what is that thing and you know what are you guys doing and so it was kind of fun you know doing it that way uh, coming from the oems like at hyundai when i was there you know so much money is spent on these pr events and all this lead up you know up to launching a new car or a facelift um so this was you know everything with us is a bit more uh, casual you know this this idea of you know we we're, we're trying to build a product that we we really want people to kind of take and just use it to fit their lifestyle as they see fit. And we just kind of want to be like a part of your, you know, your life and your family. So uh, we're a little bit more casual with how we do things, which, which is kind of neat. So uh, to answer your question, though, throwing it out there at LA and, and just being down on the floor, you know, we didn't have it up on a stand behind ropes, you know, it was like, come over here, check it out, sit in it. You know, what do you guys yeah. think? And that was really cool. Were you guys out at that show? Did you make it? No. Out? Okay. No, I was not. Unfortunately, I, no. Yeah, I, I, I just attended the Seattle Auto Show about two weeks before, okay. and uh, I had to get back to work. I really wish I could have made it to LA because <laughs> <laughs> I heard it was a great event. <laughs> You'll have to come down and see us this year. Yes, definitely. definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, um, Andre, you know, actually, just to kind of take a few step back, my my question kind of jumped forward, and we actually <laughs> didn't really get into like an overview of what like NDEV is and ND One. Can you give our listeners kind of like a brief synopsis of what NDEV strives for, and then we can talk more about the uh, the ND One? Yes, certainly. Uh, you know, really at Indy, you know, we feel that the the future metrics of of EV performance is really going to be measured in in computing power. You know, and what this this digital device that happens to also move you from A to B is capable of. You know, in your life for um, you know producing and being productive. You know, whether it's creative or business or social. Um, you know, for for years now you know, mainly because of Tesla, which is fair play, you know, they really built this idea that EVs are performance, you know, oriented. And that's what everybody knew, you know, years ago because of them, like, oh my God, this car is so fast, zero to 60. And of course, as an EV range is always a topic. Mm -hmm. um, but the idea now that an EV sits on this, you know, high voltage uh, system, a self-contained powertrain, you know, actually can allow you to do something that's that's so much more you know, with this car. And so um, our first product and, and the, the idea for and reason for being for us here is, is that we've integrated 
uh, a unique and separate uh, hardware set within the car, uh, a Windows-based uh, computer uh, that we've mm. diligently worked to integrate with the vehicle systems as far as how you interface with them, but really stays separate and isolated from those vehicle systems that control safety features and, you know, your anti-crash systems and all those things, because that needs to stay a black box. Uh, but this window-based uh, computer, which we like to refer to as VIC or Vehicle Integrated Computer, uh, allows us to that to be essentially a conduit for us, a conduit for us to bring in, you know, this this uh, very unique um, user capabilities. And uh, right now, um, as I said, it, it's because it's a Windows-based machine and a very high-powered uh, computer, and we like to refer to it as supercomputer because it really is in a car. Um, you know, the possibilities of what you can do uh, hardware and soft software wise um, is is like nothing that's been seen, you know, in a vehicle so far. Yeah, I've seen I've seen some of the videos of, of like the dual screens and like the augmented reality and like the VR headsets and just like from a content production side, it would be such a cool vehicle to produce <laughs> videos with. <laughs> yeah, you guys, you guys would love it. Yeah. <laughs> No, it, it's great. You know, depending on who you're talking to or presenting the car to, you see their wheels start spinning and asking questions. You mean I could use this to, uh, you know, to create real-time social content while I'm out and about, you know, throughout the day, or mm -hmm. I could use this to run my business in this way, or um, I could link into my smart home and do this with it. And, you know, we've kind of, you mentioned the, the gaming, you know, our, our founder's background is really in mobile uh, game technology and mobile technology. So that's just one aspect you know, that we've chose to, to highlight within the Indie One is this idea of running these AAA games uh, with this VR uh, content, uh, which actually interfaces with the vehicle movement and system. So as you do the gameplay oh, wow. within the game, you're moving with the vehicle, which eliminates, you know, that nausea that you would otherwise have. And, right, yeah. you know, every, and everybody that hops out of it, you know, they're just grinning ear to ear. You know, it is a pretty amazing experience uh, to, to, to be able to do these games within the car. You feel like you're kind of in the game because your whole body's right feeling <laughs> this movement that your eyes are seeing, you know, in, in the gameplay. So, it, yeah, it's a pretty cool experience. So that's one aspect. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah, from from the videos I've seen, I was kind of bummed I didn't get to make it to New York, the <laughs> auto show, to experience that. Because just just from like the people getting in and out of the vehicle, you could see how excited they were about it. Yeah, that's always the coolest thing, right? Seeing yeah. people really hop out of it because they, they know, yeah. okay, they're, they're kind of unsure, you know, getting into the experience. But then when they get out of the car, they're just like, holy cow, that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one thing I'm like, I wish vehicles did better as being kind of like a mobile workstation because like having the computer built into the car helps immensely because like what i do right now if i'm working remote from somewhere i'm taking a call from my car i've got my laptop kind of like propped up weird that's not a comfortable position <laughs> it's just kind of propped up inside my car i've got to have my phone up with my hotspot, and it's like all this extra kind of stuff that it would be nice it was all integrated into one thing yeah i've been on you know team calls where the team members you know pulling over to the side of the road right to, to, yeah to take the call and you know i shouldn't say this but you know i drive home sometimes late meetings and i've got my phone you know plugged in sideways you know and i'm on a i'm not doing a video but there's some stuff being this it's dangerous as hell right i shouldn't be doing it but um but yeah people have been and kind of covid showed us all that not only that what you mentioned and i just mentioned but the idea that you know, working remotely meant I could be anywhere. 
Right. Right. <laughs> so yeah, I, I don't I need, need to be traveling. I need to be at home. Right. Right. And, you know, yeah. I could be halfway across the country or um, I even, uh, you know, we allowed uh, one of the design team members actually during that time to do a, he did a tour of the U.S. Wow. And he kept working and it was amazing. He timed his stops, you know, with, with uh, mobile signals and uh, battery uh, usage. Um, but he showed you could do it. It wasn't easy. It was a bit cumbersome. Right. But it was it was cool because we started this project, of course, before COVID. But, you know, we were thinking, like, what what if you, no matter if you had this car, you would never really worry about where you were, you know, to, to, to do anything. You know, whether you were capturing uh, social content personally, um, if that was your business or if you, you had a, a work to attend to or a meeting. Um, you really, wherever you were with your vehicle, you could basically handle business. And that was kind of really exciting. And then COVID kind of proved that people actually want that kind of lifestyle. Yeah. And so, yeah, the, this car yeah. is, is really, um, you know, something that would be perfect for all of us in that nature. And just so your, your listeners understand, too, um, on top of that computer, what's vital to make it work, of course, is a unique hardware set. Uh, so within the vehicle itself, um, there's two 15-inch displays up front. One of them is linked directly to the supercomputer on the passenger side. Um, but there's also an array of cameras uh, that are specifically to be used with the computer. So there's three onboard cameras uh, to capture front and second row, also forward-facing second row. And then there's two exterior cameras. So... Um, just by voice command as well, you could capture, you know, video forward as you're driving through Yosemite or uh, capture a selfie within the car, or record, you know, video or audio. You know, as a, as a parent, I always wish there were so many cool moments in the car, you know, when the kids are, you know, when they're really young singing their first song on the radio that they <laughs> yeah. really like, you know, or, yeah. you know, there's so yeah. many great, great moments just as a family because we do spend a lot of times in our cars Right. Um, that, you know, that's another cool aspect of this vehicle, right? Is it being able to capture, you know, these moments and archive them, you know, or, or post them real time. So, so yeah, it's just, you know, the, the possibilities are really uh, limitless. And uh, another key thing with the Windows system is that we will offer a software developer's kit, uh, SDK, which, you know, um, which is even more exciting to me because, of course, people um, are already, you know, running and thinking about, you know, how else can I use this, again, this digital piece of hardware that's rolling through, you know, my city or my urban environment. Right. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah that's you mentioned, cool. um, I, I think that this is one thing that a lot of people in the EV industry are going to come to to terms with. And I, I definitely think Indie EV has already made it a point. You know, the the cars are riding on these huge power packs. And so many companies have focused on range, performance, and that's it, not necessarily what the vehicle can do for you. So I think it's really cool to see that Indy has focused on that as well as provided performance and range. I think we're just going to start seeing more and more of that as people realize that these are, are not just A to B you know, vehicles. You can do so much more with them. I think that's really cool. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, again, the potential is there, you know, for for it to do all that. So, mm -hmm. and ranges. I mean, you know, range is a big thing. I understand. You know, even you know, people that don't do the long trips, you still, for that once a year, you know, think about can I use this car to to take that 250, 300 mile trip? And it's funny that that dictates you know a purchase decision, though ninety nine point you know, 8% of the time, you know, your, your general vicinity in the day, 
you know, is maybe 20 miles, you know, 30 yeah, right. miles. I unfortunately do like a hundred miles round trip every day. <laughs> um, oh my gosh. But, but yeah, it's wow. insane. But, um, but, but yeah, I think people will realize that this, this thing can be a tool for me, right? It's just, it's not just that mode of transportation. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So to jump to the design of the Indy one, because I would love to talk about like the features and, you know, some of like the, the range specs as well as the, um, I believe it's, it's the halo, right? The, the steering wheel design for the safety features. Um, just, you know, to start from like an overview of the exterior design, what, what were some of the thought process and like, did you implement some of your previous work into the Indy one? Well, you I can think answer that, that. of course. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, all, you know, all of us as we get older, of course, you know, pull from past experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of surprising to me that we laid out the Indy one with, you know, it's 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 a mid-size vehicle, so so people can imagine it kind of slots between a Model Y and a Model X in length, mm. and it's fairly wide. It has a higher seating position, which we thought was key, you know, just for safety, particularly here in North America, because uh, so many people are used to the crossover SUV where they can sit up in traffic, so that was key. So we did raise, it's a bit taller vehicle. I think people are a little surprised when they see it in person that it, it's actually a little bigger than what they imagine in the photos. Um, what's surprising to me as a designer, or maybe shouldn't be, is that um, in the past year now that, that new products have been launched, uh, including the Y, um, you know, the Mach-E from Ford, um, even the Volvo, though it's a little bit smaller, is that design teams all around the world were kind of thinking about, you know, this EV in, in a somewhat similar way, right? The idea that you sit a bit higher hatchback functionality uh with the faster roof line our, our indy one is the, is a very uh, nice uh, fast silhouette the the uh, windshield actually stretches quite far forward uh, and down which which does give it a, a very kind of modern and futurist look but also when you sit inside we push the instrument panel down uh, in a way so when you see the glass touch down way forward um, and you kind of don't see much of the ip behind the display you do get this amazing sense of, of space. So it's kind of a, a cool architecture when you sit in the car. Uh, as well, we designed the body structures to have the full panoramic uh, glass roof. So there's no support structure there kind of midway through the roof that many cars have. It's it's a completely open. Oh, nice. Uh, um, so uh, when you, when again, when you sit in the uh, cabin with that feature as well, it's it just feels really light and airy. So... Um, and again, that was both of those features, the windshield push forward and the open uh, skylight, you know, were challenged for our CAA and structural team uh, for our crash box and safety. But we've we've worked through all of those issues there. So I'm really proud of the whole team on that. Um, but um, yeah, again, you just built a car that, that you wanted to be able to use. And um, having gone through, you know, family now with kids, you think about the rear space making sure that that's useful, what you can do with the cargo area, which we've designed a patented system we call Click and Lock, which is a, a integrated system of, of tracks, which isn't new, but uh, a series of features and accessories that will integrate into our system uh, in the back of the car because we've really thought about trying to create lifestyle packages for people um, depending on how they will use it. Um, you know, a photography for photo and drones, uh, one for uh, sports uh, sessions to hold um, gear and equipment as well for sports and also uh, kind of fun working on a, a pet 
uh, package now building a, a pet loft uh, in the back, which we're kind of having <laughs> fun with right now for oh, uh, cool. for those yeah those that have uh, you know small to mid sized dogs, um, which in Cali everybody has a dog. Um, so, <laughs> so yeah, this, you know, our, our main thing is a digital story, but I am proud to say, you know, that the design and engineering team have spent a lot of time really making some physical, uh, usable, uh, features that are quite unique as well. Nice. Yeah. I, I definitely would, I would utilize that dog. Like, uh, I think you called it a dog loft. Is that the, term yeah, we're, <laughs> we're calling it the loft because we're actually making like this, this cool kind of modern, uh, loft space in the back for the, for the dog. Oh, cool! That's yeah, we cool. we we have uh, two medium to big sized dogs. I feel like they would love that, <laughs> and we always have to rescue the one on walks because he's too lazy to walk. So we have to like grab our car, We're drag, and pick him, him. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. We call it the dog taxi. Our neighbors are oh, like, okay. "There they go." So that would be great to have that. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Andre, you mentioned uh, safety in terms of like the engineering. Um, it, it seems like based on the design of the Halo steering wheel, um, can you go more into details of how that works and like how that would um, one work with like accessibility and to make sure people are aware that they're driving safe for what's happening around them? Yes, yeah, certainly. Uh, the Halo you keep referring to is our our system uh, that uh, our driver warning system that we've integrated into the steering wheel and. Uh, I, for one, am uh, a lot of vehicles now, you're almost overwhelmed with uh, sound and feel <laughs> and, you know, visual audio and also yep. touch now with the vibrating wheels. Yep. It's, um, I can't say, I can't express, you know, the last uh, five, six years, I just get in the car and start shutting stuff down because I actually right. get more anxiety you know, with all those systems on, like I really do. And, and stuff's beeping all the time. Yeah, all the too, time. I feel you're like. just like, <laughs> and you, you don't know where it's coming from. And, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or, or like I said, you're always jumping because you're like, oh, God, what's that? Yeah. Um, yeah I remember one time on the freeway, uh, you know, I had a, a rear, I won't say the product, uh, but uh, I was I was looking to exit the carpool, you know, and the thing, you know, loud beeping all this and uh, warning through the wheel. And I jerked the wheel back into car. And I always check, you know, everything. So I, I, I was pretty sure I was clear. But as I moved over, you know, this everything started going off, and I jerked the wheel uh, back to get back in carpool lane. And and I just remember that, you know, the car got a little squirrely on me for a minute. And you just mm. think like, oh my God, I would have never, you know, did it avoid me from hitting somebody, or was it reacting to something that wasn't? Like I still don't even know. Right. And so uh, maybe I'm a little you know, sensitive to it. So anyway, the halo, we were just trying to think like, how can we bring some of the warning systems kind of intuitively, you know, to the driver without overwhelming them. So uh, integrate it within the steering wheel. If you can imagine and our steering wheel is kind of a squircle shape, it's a little square. So if you imagine that is looking at the plan view of your car, um, we have a system that gives you, um, you know, side blind spot, rear, um, you know, contact warning, also front impact represented on the steering wheel visually uh, in a very kind of modern, slim, you know, light read. So you can adjust the brightness, of course, to tone it down if you need. But uh, again, it's just the way that right there in your periphery, you know, without even, you know, you're staring forward anyway. Uh, that the wheel is letting you know, hey, you've got somebody, you know, coming up on the rear right or the rear left or on your left and right if you don't see them as you turn on your turn integrator. So, uh, again, we were just, you know, uh, trying to think of, you know, how can we make some systems uh, intuitive but not overwhelming or, or creating more anxiety? Yeah. 
Yeah, I know. Well, Alex and I are both uh, Tesla drivers, and I think Alex can attest to just the autopilot sounds and just the sheer amount of overstimulation. Yeah, I we had a yeah. we had a Volkswagen ID four that had the ID light up on the dashboard, and even that was that? too much. It, you know, it was cool. It was cool. Well, I don't want to talk too much about you know <laughs> it, when it worked. I'll just say that when it worked, it worked really well. But at night. Some of the, um, just since it was so large and in front of you, it was just really distracting for what it was meant to do. So, Mm -hmm. like, it was almost like, um, to me, it was almost something that could impair safety versus, like, improving it. Um, But, yeah. And I I think that's why, you know, user uh, customizability to some degree, as much as we can, we should allow Mm -hmm. people to do, you know, knock the light down, you know, still... Uh, I'm a big thing at night too. I hate getting in a car and just all these super bright. First thing I do is turn the brightness all the way down on the clusters yeah. and the displays because it's just, right. uh, you know, you're just overwhelmed now with, uh, with, like you said, a kind of sensory overload. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. This is reminding me almost of like in video games when you're playing like a racing game and you put it in like third person view. <laughs> you're right. Like, you almost want to do that. You kind of ha- you like that is always more comfortable, right? Because you can That's see true. all the way around the car. You can see mm-hmm. exactly what's going on. Whereas, like, if you switch to cockpit view, you've got this limited range of view, and you can't really see what's going on. So, yeah, that's really cool. Um, before, as we wrap up, um, reservations for the Indy One are still open. Is that correct? That is correct. Yes, we opened reservations during the New York show a couple weeks ago. Nice. So can you kind of just like give like a little um, shout out to Indy where our listeners could find you guys and if they want to put a reservation in where they can find that? Oh, yeah, of course. So uh, please uh, feel free to to learn more about our first product, the Indy one uh, at uh, IndyEV.com. Um, you'll learn about the product. Uh, and again, I didn't touch a lot about the, you know, it's uh, the launch vehicle is going to be a dual motor. So it'll be all wheel drive. Uh, about 480 horsepower. Um, we will launch with a 95 kilowatt hour uh, battery pack, which will be good for you know a 300 mile range at least. We're still tweaking that a bit, um, but yeah, you'll you'll be able to get all the information uh, at the, the core of what the ND1 uh, is as a as an EV, and then uh, certainly some more information about the VIC, that supercomputer that's under the front hood. When you go to the mm-hmm. website, and uh, you can do pre-orders through the website. You, where uh, we've been pressed uh, by our CEO to offer a fairly unique uh, color palette uh, at launch. Uh, so, so please, uh, we took inspiration from our environment. We're based here in Southern California. Uh, so we, we took a lot of inspiration from our environment here for a really unique uh, color palette for the launch edition cars, uh, which are quite nice. So, And they also, each vehicle, depending on the color, will come with a really unique uh, item. Uh, so which you can check out on the website but yeah please encourage you uh to to check us out and um yeah sounds good thanks andre for joining us and um alex do you have any other questions no i don't think so i think we're about up on time so yeah definitely appreciate you being on and listeners go check out indie ev (laughs) yes appreciate you guys thank you uh the show's fantastic and uh, thank you so much for having us as part of it yeah definitely Thank Thanks you, so Andre. Hopefully, we can get to Los Angeles soon to see the Indy. Yeah, you gotta come by. You gotta come by and see us if you're out here. Yes. Definitely. Yeah, we'll All make right. it a point. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Andre. Thank you.